1: Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. com slash style.
0: Before this episode begins, I have some back page projects to tell you about. Let me begin with Pep's City, a new book by Luis Martin and Paul Balus, who have been embedded with Manchester City for much of the past three seasons. I've known Lou for Years, most of my time in Spain. He's not only a fantastic storyteller, he has contacts that you would struggle to believe because in the modern era, journalists aren't supposed to get that close to football people. He does. In fact, he's close friends with Pep Guardiola and all his extended family. Indeed, Pep, along with some colleagues, wrote Pep's only, to date, autobiography just after he left Football Club Barcelona in 2001. Lou and Paul gradually earned total access to Manchester City. And you'll see that reflected in the description of the structures, the idea, the atmosphere, the people, the anecdotes. I think along the road, they both fell a little bit in love. It's a good page turner. It will bring you right inside the heart of this project project. Telling you about Guardiola's emotions, ideas, when he's tired, when he's ebullient, who helps him, which players fall in and out of favour. It's everything you'd want from an inside story. Whether you're interested in City or, separately, in Pep Guardiola or any of his superstar players or... How a huge operation like that looks from the inside, you'll find plenty in this book that you didn't know. Next up is Astroball, the new way to win it all by Ben Writer. Even if you don't speak baseball, if you're interested in where any pro sport and especially elite football is heading in terms of recruitment, data and optimization, then you need to read this inside account of how the worst team in baseball were turned into serial winners thanks to a strategic revolution. It's Moneyball, the next chapter. And while I have while I have your attention are you are you paying attention Neil and Martin who produce this show and whose voices you probably love hearing every now and again on the question and answer sessions they've got another podcast called Between the Lines it's interviews with sports writers who explain the stories behind a book or a piece of long form journalism it's the medium i like most when you get somebody to explain how something works how it came together, how it was constructed, how it was planned. I love hearing things like that. It calms me. It interests me. And I guess that there's a thread of that running through what we try to do in the big interview In that when we get elite coaches or footballers sitting down with us, we want them to explain. We want them to tell the stories from inside out. Lift the lid, I think it's called. This is most certainly what um, this new podcast that Neil and Martin produce does successfully. It's interviews with sports writers who tell the stories behind a book or a piece of long-form journalism. A new season of this podcast is running right now. It features excellent writers like Oliver Kay of The Athletic, Andy Mitten, who interviewed Diego Maradona for 442. And the season will close with a documentary about a much-loved football book, The Miracle of Castel di Sangro. Subscribe now, please, to Between the Lines by Backpage, and get the new season as it goes out, plus great archive interviews including Henry Winter, Mike Calvin and some fella who wrote a book about Spain's tournament treble. Even if you've never watched Andrea Orlandi play, even if you're not a big Barcelona or Swansea, or Brighton fan, even if you don't follow Italian second-division football or Indian football. Andrea Orlandi is somebody I've been working with on La Liga television recently, and he's extraordinary. He's easily one of the best television analysts of football I've ever worked with or listened to. And what's more, he shared a dressing with Leo Messi, Xavi, Iniesta, Ronaldinho. He'll tell us interesting things about our future guest on The Big Interview, uh, Brendan Rogers, who he counts to be... The best spoiler uh, amongst a group of coaches which he had, which includes Gus Poyet, Michael Laudrup, Frank Reichard, Paulo Sous, and on and on and on. You're going to love Andrea Orlandi because he's exceptional about explaining the beauty of football, a life in football and he speaks better English than what I do. See you on the other side. Ladies and gentlemen, um, it'll be no surprise to you that this is the big interview because that's what it said on the tin when you bought it in the supermarket and therefore when you get the tin opener out, you didn't expect baked beans, you expected the big interview. All right, it's Graham, if this is the first time you've heard me. Where have you been? Um, we're sitting in a in a very high, t- it's actually Toby's office. Um, Andrea, you don't know Toby, but it's... it's a, it's a pretty cool office, right? It is cool. They'll yeah, do. absolutely. Yeah. Do for, it's not good enough for you, but it's way too good for <laughs> me. Guys, we're with Andrea Orlandi um, today, and the reason that we've invited um, this talented footballer, talented Catalan-Italian footballer to come on the big interview is that I've been working on television now since um, the very early 90s. Um, off and on, and um, they they don't cast me in any of the big dramas or movies, which I think is wrong. But football people seem to get me on television, and I've found it really, really rare to hear a voice. And I've warned Andrea that I'm going to lavish syrup all over him um, because of the praise. To hear a voice as, as sharp as analytical as you, and and for those who listen to the big interview, and for those who help produce it with me, um. We yearn to hear football criticism and football analysis which educates us because each of us involved in this project, the socios and the occasional listeners all want to, to expand their knowledge and to learn and and that's what you've done with me so first of all um, andrea you're an exceptional TV pundit but you've got you had an exceptional career behind you too so Buenos dias, bon dia. Good morning. I, I don't know if you can do good morning in Welsh. How much well, Welsh have you got?
2: Well, not no. not, not much Welsh. Very, very little. Yeah, very little. It was it was difficult. I mean, uh, I had the chance to live both in Wales and in País Vasco, the Basque country, and I had the, the same problem, you know, with the with the language. Uh, I learned a few words. Uh, of Welsh, but not much. Not too much. Uh.
0: Well, the intro has already explained that you're a footballer who's worn the, the Tangerine of Blackpool. Yeah. And the various shades of Swansea strips. Yeah. Um, you've carried a seagull in your heart since the days of, of Brighton, but you're also of uh, Blaugrana. You're a Blaugrana pupil. Yeah. And supporter too. So... Andrea, I want to take you back to the, one of the things that links us. And I, I don't know if you... I was, a, I was a Cub Scout at the time. I don't know if there's a scouting association in uh, Spain where it's Baden-Powell and you, you, you do your duty and you learn how to build campfires and tents and stuff. like <laughs> that. I, I, I was in 1976. Mm-hmm. I was a 12-year-old. Um, and we entered a team in a five-a-side tournament in Aberdeen. And I was a little Cub Scout... And it was Cub Scouts against the rough boys from the centre of the city. And unbelievably, literally unbelievably, I can see the disbelief in your face. <laughs> in, 19, in May 1976, we won this tournament. And as the striker, poacher, who stayed up front all the time and didn't do any work back, I did a Paolo Rossi in the quarterfinals I got three goals, in the semi-finals, two goals, and in the final one. Happiest I've ever been in my life. I come back home... And my mum and dad tell me that Bayern Munich, who I hated, because Ajax had won three straight um, champions of the European Cup, starring my idol, Johan Cruyff, uh-huh. and then Bayern Munich won one, and then two, and then the third against Saint Etienne in Glasgow at Hampden Park. It was 1976. Now, 1976, um, 86, 96, 2006, 29 years later, Saint Etienne demand an anniversary game. And the anniversary game is against Football Club Barcelona. Yep. Now you play in it. You play in that game for Football Club Barcelona at saint in a friendly match. Yes. Try and set the scene of who you <laughs> travelled with, who you were playing with, and what it felt like to be in that company.
2: Well, it was, uh, it was just an unreal experience. Um, we travelled, I remember we had... Uh, obviously I had my seat on the plane So I had like a full row for myself I, have, I had six seats And that, that was impressive And I thought wow That's different I remember landing in Lyon uh, With Ronaldinho Ronaldinho had to play in that game Obviously he was the main By contract uh, By contract um, And he was a rock star uh, He had the security all around him All the fans were out uh, For Ronaldinho And I was like Am I am I, am I really here? Is that, is that happening? Actually happening? So that was the, the building up for the game. We were having lunch together with the players. Ronaldinho was sitting next to me and, uh, and I was shaking. I was like, come on, you know, I couldn't even eat my spaghetti. It was a, I was that nervous and it was only a friendly game. But for me, it was like the Champions League final. So he was trying to, you know, to make me feel comfortable. Uh, there were three or four players of the, of the B team there. And uh, well, uh, when we got into the stadium, beautiful stadium, San Etienne, it was packed full, uh, brilliant atmosphere. I remember Bafetimi Gomez was playing there. Piquion uh, was playing there. He, Piquion he played up front. Played up front. Missed a
0: couple of chances. Yes. And yes. then Bafetimi scored.
2: Uh, yeah, scored. Yeah, Gomez um, scored. I had the chance to speak to Gomez, you know, years later, and he rem- remembered that game. He was only young. And um, uh, obviously 60 minutes into the game, Santi Azquerra was playing as a left winger. So Riker just uh, calls me and, and says, listen, just warm up for two minutes, you're coming in. And I thought, OK, OK, let's, let's give it a go. So I just had a, this, you know, quick warm-up. Riker comes to me and says, well, you're playing as a left winger, uh, replacing Santi, Santi Izquerro. And uh, I said, OK, OK. Uh, I said, OK, coach, uh, what do you want me to do? And he said, well, just do something. Uh, you don't need to do much to do, to do better than Santi. And I thought, wow, okay. <laughs> that's, a, that's a bit harsh on, on Santi Kerro. And I went, OK. So I just went... I just went out. I remembered Milson telling me to stay wide because he was going to play... Wide left. Wide left. So first minutes into the game, he plays this di- diagonal ball, like 50 meters like, into my foot, my left foot. Uh, you know, perfect. So I control the ball. With the control, I get past the fullback. And I'm thinking, OK, I was on. I was straight on, you know, uh, going to the centre-back. I said, this is my chance. So I had the chance to pass the ball to Ronaldinho to, or to go one, one against one with a center defender. And I thought, in my brain at the time, I thought it was a good idea to take it myself. <laughs> Obviously, it didn't happen. Uh, I lost the opportunity. And uh, so I looked, I looked at Ronnie like a bit shy. And he didn't say anything. But, you know, just looking at me, it was like, come on, next time, give it to me. So as the game progressed... You know, I tried to I try not to complicate things and play easy. I was flinking up with Silvino, you know, not taking too many risks. Uh, Ronaldinho scored a beautiful free kick, an unbelievable free kick. And
0: One of these find the dope moments when the wall was mucking about and the keeper wasn't yes. quite right, and he just went right and from about 25 meters. Yeah,
2: it's so straight into the top corner. And I remember him training and after every single training session, he would stay there with Jorquera, which was the who was the, the second goalkeeper taking free kicks from outside of the box and it would put nine out of ten on the top corner it was like wow Uh, it was impressive i used to stretch i would never stretched in my life and i used to do stretching for 45 minutes just to see him uh, doing that every every single training session so he just scored a beautiful free kick we were losing 2-1 last minute of the game that i remember that my whole life and i'm on the pitch but i'm i'm like watching tv i was like Is this real? So I see this guy getting past one. Oh, it was it was unbelievable, Graham. But then I will tell you what happened later. Then he gets past one, gets past two. I'm on the I'm on the corner, you know, on the edge of the box on the left, and he just gives me this no look pass. So the ball's coming. He's looking right. He's looking right. Gives it to the left. So he gives the ball to me (laughs) to Andre Arlandi, and I'm thinking, wow, what am I gonna do? So. I remember what happened in the first minute of so i said listen i'm gonna i'm gonna go easy with the inside of my foot and try to play the ball. What happens is the ball bounces before <laughs> before i 'm going to hit it, and it ends up like ten yards uh, outside you know on of the of the crossbar you know on top of the crossbar so there was uh, I remember Belletti there, I think it was Maxi Lopez Ronaldinho all looking at me in this spell, like thinking, what is this guy doing and the referee blows the whistle so the game, the game ends. I walked into the dressing room and I felt, like, so small. I, fe- I felt like the smaller, <laughs> smaller player on earth. Like, I don't deserve to be here. I mean, they're, they're too good for me. You know what I mean? So, it was difficult to take because then you don't have players coming to you. Even if it wasn't friendly, this is Barcelona. This is, like, uh, the top university in football. So, you need to be at the level, even if it's, it's only a friendly game. And, uh, and I thought to myself, okay, that's a, that's a challenge, uh, I don't know if I will have another opportunity, but I didn't take this one. You know, and it was a great opportunity to show, you know, that I was maybe not good enough to play at Barça, but to have more chances to to play for them. And I remember being on the shower; no one was talking to me. Showering next to Belletti, Ronaldinho, Van Bommel, Edmilson, this type of players. Uh, and honestly, Graham, I felt so small. <laughs> I had the quickest shower I had in my life. Got changed. I get back into the bus, you know, and, and we flew back from Lyon. But it was um, it was a really good experience because uh, I took uh, I took the positive part of it. I mm-hmm. thought I had thirty minutes at a beautiful stadium, you know, playing for Barca I played with Ronaldinho. Uh, he had the belief in me because he gave me that ball. You see, players sometimes that if they don't trust the other player, you know, he wouldn't have given me that pass. And it was a it was a big lesson. And I made sure that the next time I was ready for it. Because, obviously, uh, I remember sh- everything that happened. I remember what I ate. I had this spaghetti tomato sauce uh, with tomato sauce, wh- which I couldn't eat. I remember the conversations I had with Belletti about how he got his passport, his Italian passport. Uh was there, brilliant guy, you know, talking to me, trying to help me. Uh, but then again, uh, I wasn't ready for the game. I wasn't mentally ready. Mm-hmm. I was like... Uh, it's not that I didn't take it seriously. All the opposite. I took, I took it too seriously. So I, I, it wasn't me playing out there. It was uh, I was too nervous. So that was a big lesson for me because when I had the chance to play again and to train again with them, I made sure that I was ready for it.
0: Well, so that people understand, you've named most of them, but that, the team that night was Valdez, Belletti, Rodri, who, who had a couple of chances, Oligar, Silvino, Edmilson, Van Bommel, Thiago Motta, Esquero, Maxi, mad, <laughs> chicken celebration Maxi, <laughs> who, who really wasn't Barcelona quality. Maxi, I'm sorry, he's still playing. He's Didac still playing for
2: Crotone in Italy. Ronaldinho
0: yes. and Jorquera um, comes on, you come on for Santi and Damia comes on for Rodri. Coach was Frank Reichard. You You've explained the situation and who you played with and the lasting impressions, but this is in the season that the team you play with become European champions they win the Champions League in Paris against um, Arsenal so you're at a very high level and already you've talked about the 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 mental component Yeah, and you know you said you became ready for the next time and you you trained regularly with the first team because Rijkaard as well as the players saw something in you you actually also won um, a trophy with Barcelona um, because you beat Espanol in it's
2: the
0: in a very good Espanol side, coached yes. by the by the current Barcelona manager, Ernesto Valverde, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And equally that team that you play in is very good and it's taken relatively seriously here. You play in a team with Joquera, Belletti, Olmo, Olegar, Servino, Sastre, Mota, Mark Crossas, who went to Celtic and played for a long time in Mexico, may still be there. Giovanni dos Santos, uh, plus Esquero against a team that had Gorka, uh, Chica, the good full Danny Harkey, who will come back to, um, Corro, um, Ruffetti, who's currently... Um, sports director. In, yeah. Sports director at Espanol. You lived in elite company, but was this one of the games, the game against Espanol, where you, you then were ready? or When were the times that you began to say, OK... From Senatian C- I've learned to focus. I've learned to visualize. I've learned to eliminate nerves and stage fright.
2: I played. Uh, I played in the league before that. Before that, as a ha- mames, mames mm-hmm. and um, and I had you know a lot of training sessions with the first team because uh, Silvino. Uh, he, I, won't, I won't say that he didn't like training, but uh, you know sometimes he wasn't he wasn't ready to, to train because he was taking care of himself. You know, ready for the games. And uh, Riker was using me as a left-back uh, most of the times uh, with the first team. Uh, and I remember that first training session that I, that I had after that experience at San Etienne, that was me. That was me. You know, I, I took things simple, but, you know, it was great and I was enjoying myself. And, and I could see that, you know, the first team players looking at me thinking, OK, this guy, you know, is not bad. Um, so I earned some respect uh, and I earned a lot of confidence because I, Because when you are training with these players and you see that trust in you, you think, wow, okay, there must be something in me. You know, I'm not that bad. I'm not the the guy that played at San badly, but this is me. Uh, And obviously, I made my debut in La Liga against Bilbao at San Mames as a left-back, you know, against a strong side. And uh, and I had a good game, Uh, you know, and everyone was, uh, you know, was happy with my performance, especially Frank Rijkaard. And... uh, I had another another game in Copa Catalunya against Nástic Tarragona when I had two assists and uh, I rem- crosses two for crosses, for Giovanni and for Esquerro. Esquerro scored, yeah. And uh, and I remember that was that was great because as I was I was walking back into the dressing room, Riker was waiting for me and he, he's a big boy, you know, strong. Yes. So he, he just you know gets me in the air like uh, you know he just throws me a everywhere. bear hug, yeah, 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 a bear hug, and he goes, "You are the left-footed David Beckham," and he goes <laughs> like. And I, and, I, and I was, like, living the dream. I was like, is this, is this really happening? You know, I was the happiest man in the world. And obviously that game against Espanyol uh, in the final, uh, we got that, you know, we lifted that, uh, you know, little trophy, the Copa Catalunya, that for me, uh, it was like the Champions League. You can't allow yourself to lose if you're Barcelona. And uh, especially against Espanyol, is, uh, you know, it's a, big, it's a big game. And I remember Xavi, who, who wasn't involved, coming to, to the stadium to, to watch the game, you know, getting, coming into the dressing room after the game, you know, to talk to us and to congratulate us for the win. Uh, so we beat them on penalties. I remember, you know, it wasn't an easy game. But I was ready. I was ready, Graham. Every time I had the opportunity, you know, I took it. And, um, and obviously my situation at uh, Barcelona was a bit, uh, you know, a weird one because I was alone from arabes, um, and then uh, they wanted to sign me to sign me permanently uh, but I don't, I don't know if you remember there was that moción de censura with uh, Joan Laporta that summer where Which ba-
0: effectively, for those who don't know means that the, the members, the socios had sufficiently lost confidence in him and it's the time when Sandro Rosé, his vice president walked out yeah. An open letter in the media saying, Johan, uh, uh, Johan Cruyff, leave my club alone. Uh, Laporta, you rely too much on Cruyff. He, he walked away because you played at San Mames in the match day 38. You were, you're yeah. lead yeah, you yeah, yeah, a league champion. You are a league champion of Spain. Yeah. Uh, you won the title. That, that's a fact. That's a fact, yeah. Um, and, and the, the censure motion was some fans wanted to say, Uh, We want to vote La Porta out um, because of your behaviour, blah, blah, blah. So, like you say, it was turbulent times, which affected you a little bit.
2: Yeah, it affected me because um, Barcelona made a first offer to Alaves to to sign me permanently. Uh, But this happened, so everything was stuck. So I got stuck in between Alaves and Barca, and I ended up going back to Alaves. Um, uh, Which, obviously, uh, with all respect to Alaves, uh, who was a a great club you know they gave me the opportunity to become a professional footballer uh, they took me from Barcelona to Vitoria it was a great experience but uh, being a Barcelona boy playing for Barca I really wanted to sign for Barca and then when you, are, uh, you, when you belong to a, to a club like this you know, it's a different story Graham
0: Can you tell me how many European or international trophies your managers won? If no. you can, I can. <laughs> so, dear listeners, we're talking to a guy, and already um, I think he's done something special for you. I feel this. They, they call it piel de gallina yeah, here. The hairs in the back of the neck are standing up because you were you were with the greats, and you've described them beautifully. Well, I want to look at your CV. Your managers, or your principal managers, between them won 24 international trophies, either as coach or player. Your managers won eight Champions Leagues. And I'm going to list them now. So we, we know about Reichardt, Pepe Mel, he didn't win so many European trophies. Reichardt, Pepe Mel, Roberto Martinez, Paulo Sousa, Brendan Rogers, Gustavo Poya, Oscar Garcia, Michael Laudrup. Yeah. Dude... <laughs> Some pretty shit-hot football people Love to have you as their player <laughs> You confused me now Because I do some research You told me that if, You said that It was Paulo Sousa Persuaded you to come to Swansea No, I to
2: stay, was, to, stay. to stay To stay at Swansea Because
0: Roberto Martinez is the guy who, A fellow Catalan Yes I don't know what became of him But maybe his career <laughs> Stayed quite nice When, when you leave Alaves you, you're, you're taking a bet on yourself and yes. you said that you read people well. So I guess you don't know Roberto too well, like maybe you knew him, but when he says to you, come to Swansea, I guess you say, where is that? I I'll tell that.
2: Yes, absolutely. I'll tell you the story. He saw me playing uh, for Barcelona's first team in the Copa Catalunya that we spoke before. And he's friends with Jordi Cruyff. Very uh, close friends. Yes. So Jordi Cruyff, I, I knew him from Alavés. Uh, he calls me and says, listen, Andrea, uh, there is this manager Roberto Martinez he's a good friend of mine obviously I didn't know anything about him he's the coach of Swansea Swansea he told me Swansea as the Chelsea Chelsea's league one uh, Chelsea's from league one so he's a club that you know uh, they're gonna win the league they, they wanna get promoted to the championship you know they're ambitious blah 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 so I thought okay but where is Swansea I didn't have a clue where Swansea was so I checked I thought okay that's Wales uh, well uh, I'll speak to him you know no problem so Roberto calls me Andrea can you come to Swansea I was under contract this, uh, I shouldn't talk about this but I will, I, will, I will do that for you and the listeners so oh, it's done it's happened <laughs> <laughs> listeners this isn't going to be like from peak headlines <laughs> so he, they pay me a flight so I go with my dad and we went to we went to Swansea so we we landed in Bristol we had this guy Hugh Lake the players liaison from, he, from Swansea I think
0: he's still there he's
2: still there Lakey yeah. And he just puts this CD on the car. He had a, uh, an old BMW, I remember, about Swansea songs. And it was... It was that, that drive was an hour and 45 minutes of just Swansea songs. Where I couldn't speak any English. My dad, you know, could barely speak a bit. Uh, so... we. <laughs> we arrived at swansea a big headache because honestly my head was going to explode but i didn't want to tell him you know you know the songs were a bit too much put that, put that music off. <laughs> so we we arrived to swansea and then um, we go we go to the hotel uh, they put me in, in the best hotel at swansea and we go to the restaurant roberto martinez is there well dressed you know very edu- educated and he tells me about swansea you know the idea of of uh, of swansea the ambition the plan four years in the premier league I said, okay, and, and he goes, let's have a look at the stadium, so we go to the stadium, he shows me the stadium, and he goes, because Roberto liked that, I can see, you know, the fans, the fans there, the Jack Army, I can see them singing your name, blah, 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 so he showed me all up, and I said, okay, Roberto, that's, that's great, now I have a contract, <laughs> so what can we do, and he said, no, we cannot pay, I said, well, maybe, you know, this is not going to happen. Uh, but I said thank you very much, you know, for you know, for the opportunity you gave me to come here to to know the club. So I just come back to Spain, start the preseason with Alaves. Uh, what happens is Alaves goes into administration. So now there's the opportunity to go free. To go free. So I wait. I waited my options, and I had a big offer from Greece from Aris Saloniki, Aris Saloniki, or a really bad offer from Swansea <laughs> in terms so the, of the financial difference. Between Swansea and Aris. It is- was huge, it was huge. Mm-hmm. And uh, adding to, uh, to that, you know, my family um, uh, lost everything. So my dad lost his job. So all the, po- the good position we had disappeared. So my dad uh, had to, s- to sell the house and it was all... Financial security is now it's vital going- not just for you, but for my family. So I, had, I have a sister, my mom and dad, obviously, uh, they lost the house, they lost the job. So it's all on me. And what do you do? You take the money or you take the opportunity and, and say, okay, maybe now I'm, I'm not going to have the money. But, you How know, did you make that decision? It was difficult, Graham. I, I didn't sleep. I lost, I lost a lot of hair. It was great. It was, I was under a lot of pressure. Um, I cried. Uh, but then I thought I could see ahead and think and thought, listen, you know, maybe Greece now is the money. But in two years, it's me done. My career is done. Swansea is a great opportunity to beat myself up and become a Premier League player, where, uh, who, which was my dream. It wasn't easy, but I took the Swansea away and, and obviously it worked. It, it, it could have gone you know, either way. Maybe. But In the moment, I think it says a lot for
0: your analytical side and by then your faith in yourself. You, you talked earlier on about self-confidence or sufficient confidence maturity in order to, to back yourself or do the right things. And in that instance, you took decidedly the more risky route. Absolutely, and, yes. And I think many, many people, intelligent or stupid, would have said, look, the money now is the big thing. Uh, and nobody really could have criticized them for that. So whatever criteria you used to reach your decision, they were good ones. And
2: my friends, uh, my friends used to tell me, oh, you're crazy, where are you going? Is, what is League One, you know, Segunda B in, in England? Uh, you don't know the league blah 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 and I thought no no this is the right this is the right decision you know like Roberto Martinez really uh, made me believe that that was the the right decisions and once I signed the contract um, Hulé gave me a bag with my my training kit and he goes well you know I'm picking you up at four o'clock you know be, get changed and then I'll pick you up and I'm thinking why, why do I have to get changed in the hotel <laughs> you know if there's a there's a training ground so I didn't get changed. Uh, but once we got into the training pitch, I understood why. There was no dressing room. <laughs> so, players were driving, were driving on their kids uh, straight into the so pitch. So they were wearing the kids straight. They were wearing the, the kids to... driving, just put their boots on and just train, back in the cars, go home and get showered. So... So I was getting changed in, the, in this car park, <laughs> and I'm thinking... What, that's, what... That's,
0: listen, in British car parks, that's a dangerous thing to be yeah, doing. Was, People was... can read the wrong signs into that. <laughs>
2: <laughs> but, Graham, it was raining, it was cold already. It was uh, 1st of September, because I signed the last day of the, of the transfer window, and it was muddy, the pitch was muddy, we didn't have lights uh, to train. It was... and, uh, and then again, I went back to the hotel, and I called my, my girlfriend, my wife now, and I said, "What have I done? You know, it's, <laughs> this is this is crazy." Uh, but then again, my debut was at Elland Road, 32,000 full stadium, it's a special
0: and, atmosphere, special stadium. Yes, right?
2: yes. Elland Road for me is my favorite stadium uh, in the in the UK. Uh, the atmosphere there is is rocking. I mean, did,
0: did you know about their history at all? I guess I like, knew about Leeds. Leeds I remember, Barcelona was a thing remember, way before you were born, but it, it, it's part of. Leeds Barcelona and the Cruyff team And Leeds knocking Barca out Is part of
2: history Yeah, yeah, yeah And I remember them I actually bought, uh, bought The Leeds, the Leeds uh, shirt The Nike one When they played in the Champions League Against Barca You know wow. I liked the badge I like yeah. the team They had good players Obviously uh, Viduka I remember Alan Smith uh, Ian Hart uh, All these players So I thought okay That's different You know This is why I came here You know To play in front of these crowds These stadiums I remember I was coming on I was going to make my debut We were nil-nil As I was coming on, they scored the first one. I come on, and the ball comes to me. That was my first ball in English football. And I remember the name of the player, David Pratton. So I thought, well, this is Spain. You know, I'll have time to control the ball and play. So this guy comes at the back of me, just pushes me away. I just landed three yards away of where I was. He takes the ball, shots, and scores. So I thought, and then my teammates were looking at me like, "What, what are you doing? And I thought, OK, this is a wake-up call. Welcome to England. But then I played well. We lost the game 2-0. But then I understand, I understood straight away that... This had, quickly. Yes. That I had to change. It took me five months to change Graham, uh, to get used to it, to the training regime, to the physical part of it, to the rhythm. And then I injured my knee as well, which didn't help. Yeah. So I was out for the rest of the season. That first season was really difficult, uh, obviously, because what I said about my parents, mm. uh, the adaptations as well. Roberto, in a way, took me to Swansea, but now I, th- I thank him for that. He left me and the other, you know, Spanish players. Uh, they- he didn't help us too much no. because he wanted us to to make it ourselves. It's called tough love. Exactly. Exactly. Oh, you, know,
0: you have to find your way. You have to find the language. You have to cope with the food, the, the temperature,
2: the language, everything. And, uh, and now I thank him for that. Uh, at the time it was it was difficult, I struggled. So that first year was was really difficult. But we got promoted to the championship. The, the first five months were, were like this, where I was stopping, I was fouled, like or I thought I was fouled. And the referees never gave me those fouls, and the fans got a bit frustrated with me as well. And now, when I see, when when I watch the games here, I can't, I can't have that. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, you know, I, I think why, why is it not running? So why is he stopping? So it stopping? Your heritage now is Catalan, Italian, Welsh, English. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Yes, but uh, Roberto uh, said one thing to me. Uh, there's two options here. Or either you go, you you stay here for six months and want to go back home, or you will stay here for ten years. and you know, I took the second the second option. So I stayed in England for, for a long time because I loved it.
0: Our sponsors are Bet365 and they've asked, is Brendan Rodgers a future Premier League winning manager?
2: Yes. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. And, uh, well, he nearly got Liverpool, you know, champions. And that was, I was really sad that, obviously, to have... Uh, you, you remember that uh, Gerard when he slipped, and, uh, and then Chelsea scored, and they ended up losing that title. Uh, I, I didn't think Liverpool had the best team, but Brendan, you know, took the best out of those players, and they believed in him. And he's someone who, look at Leicester now, the way they're playing, what they're doing, uh, he's got it, he's got it. He has something special in him, and um, it makes you believe in him. And uh, and one really good thing, uh, if you're not playing you look forward for the training sessions even if you're not playing and this is probably if not the only manager i've had uh, that had this one of the few uh, because when you're not playing this is the most difficult part for a manager to have players involved and you know ready to go and ready so he he made you hungry and he made you wanting to to train and improve yourself in, in the training ground and he's a, he's a great coach
0: what did he do in training if somebody said, shouted get rid of it
2: <laughs> he stopped training <laughs> He stopped training once uh, when uh, yeah one player was under pressure and he was rushing and one of the teammates shouted, get rid of the ball, get rid of it. And he stopped it. He stopped it. <laughs> he went, eh, stop, stop, stop. If you say that again, you're out. You know, you're not in this team. So this is what Brendan's all about.
0: I'm really interested in this answer because Bet365 also asked me to ask you, how will the top four finish in La Liga this season? So it's a long way away, so it's a guess. And, you know, it. If it's an unfair question, I'll go first. But how do you, how do you think the top four finished this season at the end of La
2: Liga? Uh, for me, Graham, uh, this season, at the start of the season, if I looked at the teams, I thought, well, Atletico Madrid will be challenging Barcelona for the title. Seeing how they started, I, I still think that Barcelona has it and uh, will, will end up winning the La Liga. Even though Real Madrid, with all the problems they had, uh, they are capable of overturning this kind of situations and winning games with, with quite ease. But I, I I can't see them consistent enough. Now, Barca, without Messi, they started without Messi, uh, physically in not top condition, struggling away from home. Once they get it right, well, they, they, they're still top of the league. So I'm thinking, I'm assuming that once they get it right, for me, they, they are favourites to win it. So, so one Barca? One Barca. Then it will be either Real of or Atletico Madrid. I'll go for Real Madrid, Atletico Madrid and probably Sevilla. These these are my my top four. I wish probably Real Sociedad uh, being one of the top four. But I, I Because see, of their brand of football? Yes. I love the way they play. And I love the players they have. A lot of left footed, you know, talented players out there. So I can see myself being part of that team. So that's why I I can make a phone call if you want. <laughs> not anymore. <laughs>
0: And this, this before we finish, because we can't stop without talking about your love of Brighton and a mutual friend working for Gospolet, which is just yes. must have been the experience of a lifetime. I'm really serious about this. This is because of how highly I rate what I listen to, to when I hear you doing TV analysis of football. Our sponsors, Bet Three Six Five, want to know what would you like to see and hear more of in football punditry or football analysis.
2: Well, obviously, for me, when I was, um, when I was watching TV and watching, uh, you know, football programs, what I, what I really like is uh, the pure part of football. I mean, the tactical analysis or oh, not only that, also what really happens in the dressing room. Why uh, is the coach picking this player? Um, you know, the thought behind it, uh, because normally people sit down and see, uh, well, you know, he's changed the formation. Uh, he should be playing this player, that player. Uh, so everyone, you know, sitting at home on the sofa is quite easy to be coaches. So when I see when I see a TV program and I see people explaining why, you know, giving the reasons uh, behind that a manager's decision or a tactical decision or a tactical change, this is what I really like to see: uh, the insight, you know, what really happens in the dressing room to give to the viewers uh, something that they. They won't. Uh, they won't normally get because they haven't been in, into into a dressing room. So, just, you know, being able to explain to them uh, why things happen, uh, what's the reason behind them, how they happen as well. Um, you know, what's the what's the thought process of a coach? You know, picking one player. You know, in front of the other. Um, you know, making decisions, making the substitution. So. This is what, what I really like. This is football, and mm. uh, this is football. It's not like no, nah, he doesn't like him or he doesn't like his wife or no. Uh, you know, I really like the uh, talking about football, pure football. This has been the big
0: interview. Um, everybody listening to the big interview, I told you,
2: I told you. Thank you, Andrea. Thank you, Graham. Thank you very much. Pure pleasure. Oh.